This is Weight Loss with Wendy podcast. I am your host, Wendy Crabb, life and weight loss coach and oncology nurse practitioner. I thought losing weight was impossible, especially over age 50. And it was doing it with the fad diets. I couldn't follow those for very long. Then I stopped dieting and focused on lifestyle changes and mindset by joining a self-coaching program. I lost 55 pounds over one year at age 56, eating real food without feeling hungry and deprived all the time. The goal of this podcast is to inspire you to make healthy changes in how you eat and how you think. Let's dig in. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Marcy Westcott, and she is going to be doing a meditation exercise with us. So I just wanted to let you know there will be several minutes towards minutes 24 or so where there will be no one talking, and that's because uh, we're meditating. She's teaching us a quick meditation technique. So just wanted to give you a heads up about that. Um, If you're driving, you can listen to it later. All right. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. What's going on in your world? In my world, it's finally cold in San Antonio, but uh, we're looking forward to warmer days. I know those of you on the East Coast are like, welcome to my world. So I have a special guest with me today. Her name is Marcy West, and she, uh, her business is the Still State Meditation. And I'll let Marcy uh, go ahead and introduce herself. So thank you for joining me today, Marcy. Yeah, thank you, Wendy. My name is Marcy Westcott, Westcott and I am, no, that's okay, uh, founder of the Still State Meditation and Mindfulness Instruction. And, you know, basically my origin story is that uh, I spent 20 years with American Honda Motor Company in sales and service management. And what that looked like for me is I worked 70 hours a week. I had one day off a week, which more often than not, I didn't get to take. Uh, I had two weeks of vacation a year. And in 20 years, I was never able to take that back to back. And my workplace culture was toxic and at times overwhelming. I made a terrific income. I was in the top 10% of performers nationally, but because of the kind of stress and anxiety that I was accumulating and not being able to release, uh, it really led to me eventually burning out. I developed high blood pressure, insomnia, I had digestive issues, And uh, at one point I even took medication for anxiety. And so after 20 years of, you know, being in that kind of pace at that kind of environment, uh, as I said, it it really led to, um, to me burning out. And it's interesting because burnout can look very different for the individual. Uh, It's really unique to the person who's experiencing it. And so for me, um, I was still operating at a very, very high level uh, professionally, but in my personal life, I was numb. Uh, I really wasn't, wasn't functioning, um, you know, the way that I should and, and enjoying life and being able to enjoy my personal life. And so what that led to was, you know, leaving the industry, uh, starting a small business, 
Uh, I live in Blanco, um, so we're a small rural community. And that business was really successful, but I realized that I was still suffering from all the effects of the stress and anxiety that I accumulated all, over all of those years. And so one night, uh, a friend of mine and I went to a yoga class. Uh, I'd never practiced yoga before, uh, so that was new to me. Uh, we meditated for the first time um, in that class that night, and the doors blew open for me. It was the most profound experience I had ever had. And it felt like someone had lifted a thousand pounds of weight off of me. I started practicing every day. It was really the meditation that was, you know, keeping me going back to those classes. I enjoyed the yoga, but the meditation was, was really what kept me going. And within a couple of weeks, I was experiencing changes. Uh, friends and my family saw those changes. And so it, it really, I think, propelled me to want to look for accessible types of meditation uh, that I could, you know, begin to help other people experience. That's what led me to hear the call to teach. And that's really why I'm here with you today. Wow. That's quite a story. <laughs> and and, and you, you mentioned another time that we were talking that you that other friends that came to the class did not have that same experience. Yes. And I really attribute that to the type of yoga and meditation that it was, you know, there's really a stereotype around meditation and, you know, we kind of have the media to, to thank for that in a lot of ways. Uh, people generally think of meditation as something where you sit down with your legs crossed, you put your hands in a you know certain kind of position, and you chant Om. Now, you certainly can practice meditation that way, but it doesn't have to be like that. Uh, meditation is not a religion. It can be practiced religiously, but it really is a secular or can be a secular type of practice. Uh, I always like to, you know, explain the definition of, of meditation to someone because that really uh, explains it, I think, in terms that everyone can understand. And what that is, is that meditation is a technique or a practice that settles your nervous system and trains your brain to become more focused, more engaged, more responsive, and less reactive. In essence, that is what meditation is. And so it can be practiced you know, it can be as secular and as straightforward at one end of the spectrum as it can be esoteric, metaphysical, and spiritual on the other end, and really anything in between. So I think that really one of the miracles of meditation is that it meets us where we are. I love that. And for me, meditation just helps me to stay present, helps me to like focus my yes. mind, like you said, and just to be in the present moment, because I'm so busy most of the time thinking about what I'm going to do next or in the future, right? Or worrying about the past. Yes. And it helps me just to be right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I and, love it. You know, we're, we're, we're not alone. Um, you know, back in, I, in my corporate days with, with Honda, you know, what I realized after I, you know, started meditating and particularly when I went into training is that I spent, probably 80% of that 20 years, um, not really living my life. I was either projecting into the future, 
or I was ruminating on the past. And that's where so many people spend their time. Um, they aren't in the present moment, so they aren't really experiencing their life. You know, they're projecting or they're ruminating. And that really is where mindlessness comes from. Um, you know, Harvard did a, a study and it showed that the majority of people spend 47% of their day in a state of mindlessness. That is astounding to me. You know, if we think about it, most people spend almost half their day not being in the present moment. And what that leads to is all of that stress and anxiety and overwhelm that we experience. Right. And, and a lot of it is made up stuff that we're thinking about or, you know, from the past. Yeah, it's really interesting that you put it that way, because the nature of Story. our minds is to, you know, if we don't know the answer to something, we'll create one. <laughs> and that that's not the healthiest, best place to be. Exactly, exactly. So tell me about the, um, your journey into, you know, making a small business out of um, your art of meditation. Yeah, well, so I got my training at the McLean Meditation Institute. At the time, um, Sarah McLean was located in Sedona, Arizona. If you were going to go for meditation training, what what could be more perfect than, <laughs> than going to, to Sedona? Uh, she's now located in Santa Barbara. But uh, the training was intense. And, you know, I was in training for probably about... 14 to 16 months, roughly, um, that involved me at the end of my workday, I would begin studying, you know, for in my training. And that meant studying every night after I'd finished work. And it meant studying every single weekend. And so for that year, a uh, little over a year, almost a year and a half, uh, my husband rarely saw me, I, I have to give him credit, because he couldn't have been more supportive, and more understanding. Um, I don't know that everyone would be able to you know, to support that. Uh, but it they was certainly saw a change in you. Oh, absolutely. And he saw, you know, he saw what it was doing, um, you know, with my friends and, and me being able to help my friends as I went through the training. And so, you know, he benefited from it too. <laughs> and, you know, so once I was, uh, once I was out of training, then, you know, it really became my mission um, to, to help people be able to experience these benefits. And a couple of things come to mind there. Um, first, there are meditation isn't just for stress and anxiety. Uh, there are 141 to, to date, 141 proven benefits, empiric reviewed benefits to meditation, 141. Wow. So that means that it can help us physically mentally, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. And those things can look like, you know, improving your relationships, um, helping you to savor life more. It can mean becoming more creative and more innovative. And that doesn't necessarily have to be creative in the artistic sense. You know, mm. we, we are creative in our lives every day, whether we realize it or not. Um, you know, we're finding solutions to problems. We're looking at doing things in a different way. Meditation and mindfulness really helps you to um, enhance those abilities. And it helps us to become more, uh, more productive and more efficient. And so, you know, again, my, my mission is to 
help individuals experience those 141 benefits of meditation. And then it also is a mission for me to take mindfulness into the workplace to make the workplace help it become uh, a healthier, uh, happier, more vitalizing place to be. Um, you know, I think we've all experienced what stress and anxiety can be like in the workplace, right. and it doesn't have to be toxic and overwhelming. Uh, so my mission is to, you know, help change that. That's wonderful. And so you do work with individual businesses. Absolutely. Wow. Uh, I'll work with anyone, whether they want to learn to meditate, to simply improve their, their life or enhance, you know, uh, an already, you know, wonderful life or to help teams, individuals, entrepreneurs, uh, businesses and organizations really of any size bring mindfulness into, uh, into the workplace. So um, how did meditation help you with um, your health issues? Well, it definitely uh, helped me to uh, address my digestive issues, my um, uh, blood pressure issues. And now I get a really good night's sleep. Um, mm -hmm. You know, insomnia was one of the biggest things. Uh, we've all, I'm sure, experienced at some point waking up in the middle of the night and either scrolling through your to-do list for work or thinking about something that's going on in your life, in a relationship, uh, a family issue, something like that. And that mental scrolling is um, a manifestation of anxiety. Mm. That's a sign that we're, you know, on uh, approaching overwhelm. Um, and so it has helped me in, in all of those regards. And, you know, as I said, my, I, I remember going into my doctor's office one day for, you know, something minor, like a cold or something. Uh, but she looked at me and she said, you know, there's something different about you. Uh, I can't put my finger on it, but there's something different. And so when I explained to her what I was doing, she was, you know, she was like, that's amazing. Um, so, you know, it's another example of how people around me saw the changes taking place. And I don't think there's a better testimonial, um, you know, for it than that. Right. I love it. And I use meditation a lot. I teach that a lot to my weight loss clients, um, because it is a way to also, you know, increase your willpower by just increasing your awareness of what you're putting in your mouth or of the triggers that are going on, increasing yeah. your um, awareness of the present moment, you know, for yes. food and for what's going on related to food. Yeah. Cause there's definitely. always, you know, things that are going on, whether it's, you know, um, just seeing somebody else, you know, have something that you want or mm -hmm. just how you can relax after a stressful day. Yeah. Isn't it food? Right. And isn't it interesting how we use things, uh, you know, for coping mechanisms. Uh, and I think that, you know, in your expertise, you know, you uh, understand what a coping mechanism poor food habits can be. Right. Um, you know, it can be like using alcohol or some other, you know, type of, of substance abuse. Exactly. And so it isn't, you know, just about alcohol and drugs and, you know, those types of things. Um, you know, food can certainly be that too. Uh, and so, you know, for me, mindful eating is, you know, 
just as important uh, as any other aspect of meditation. And, you know, I appreciate that someone like you can understand that and, you know, appreciate the benefits that something like mindful eating can, can give your clients. Oh, definitely. It's, it's a huge component uh, to not only losing weight, but also keeping it off. Yes. Because that's what we want. Ultimately, we just don't want to be on that diet hamster wheel. We want to be able to get off of it and just figure out a plan that we can stick to and be present when we're eating instead of mindlessly, you know, going in the pantry. And before you know it, the whole sleeve of cookies or, uh, or the whole bag of potato chips is gone. And you didn't even realize you were eating them. Right. Right. And there's that mindlessness, you know, showing up in our lives. Um, I really love your philosophy and your approach that you don't have to starve yourself and you don't have to deny yourself and that there's a way to, you know, to approach it that can make it um, or enable it to be, you know, something that everyone can do. So, you know, good for you for, you know, for taking that type of, of approach to it. Right. I have found that there is no one way. Uh, There's only the way that you're going to follow. And, you know, I help people with what that way is. I help them find what that is for them. Mm -hmm. And then we work on all the, the staying present and all of the awareness pieces and mindset pieces that go with it along the way. And I, I think the kinder, gentler approach to uh, healthy eating is what is desperately needed. Definitely. And that really calls into, you know, the subject, uh, the whole um, aspect of, of self-compassion, you know, right. that's one of the things that one of the many, you know, 141 benefits that meditation and mindfulness have to offer us is, you know, and I think it's so critical. Self-compassion is such uh, a critical um, uh, thing for us to think about. Uh, you know, the, all the negative self-talk that we all go through, we all, we all have done it uh, or still do it, you know, from time to time. And I think that that's something that really should be addressed uh, because until we can be kind to ourselves and until we can practice self-compassion, we really can't be compassionate with anyone else. And the world yep. needs compassion right now. And so if we all start there, mm-hmm. um, then we can, you know, we can make that transformation in the world. Sometimes it sounds, you know, overly dramatic, but we know from the research how important it is. And I, I love that self-compassion is becoming such uh, an area of groundbreaking work right now. Yes, especially because most of what we're thinking, we're not even aware of. So when we have 60,000 thoughts a day, we're only aware of a handful of them. And so you have that ticker tape going in your brain and it's all that the negative self-talk that you are just program have programmed to do Mm -hmm. to beat yourself up. If you, you know, don't do things right, or you don't think do things perfectly, or you go off the fall off the wagon on your healthy eating plan. Yeah. But what if there's no wagon to fall off of? (laughs) Exactly. You know, and if we think about, you know, all of the challenges that we have, how many of those challenges go back to something like, you know, the whole self-compassion component, Mm -hmm. um, 
being kind to yourself is one of the tenets of meditation and mindfulness. And one that, I, that is so drastically overlooked, uh, you know, and again, it sounds like a platitude to say to yourself, but when we practice uh, meditation and mindfulness, it really becomes apparent how much we have not been and how important it is to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Um, can you give us a sample um, meditation technique that we could I'll do. If you're driving, you don't do this now, but <laughs> I, w- I would love to do that. Yeah. Um, there is a, a practice that I love to teach, um, particularly for someone who may be new to the idea or the practice of meditation. And it's called the relaxation response. Um, this is a technique that was developed by Dr. Herbert Benson. Uh, he was really one of the, I, I think, one of the people who was um, instrumental in bringing meditation and mindfulness into our Western culture. He and John Kabat-Zinn are probably, you know, the two that I think uh, were really our heroes when it comes to that. And so Dr. Benson developed this technique originally to help his cancer patients um, kind of, you know, manage their pain and, and their condition. But he found that it was so impactful for them that he really started teaching it to his other patients as well. And then from there, it became, you know, really a practice that anyone um, could do. So it's really pretty simple. But to start with, um, what I like to um, share with everyone is, I think one of the major barriers to meditation for a lot of people is that they can't get into a relaxed state. The more relaxed we can become initially when we start to practice, um, you know, the more, the more the, the meditation has the ability to benefit us. Now, there is no good or bad meditation. It just is what it is. And the benefits of meditation very oftentimes don't show up in the meditation itself. It shows up later on. Mm-hmm. But to help get us to that relaxed position or that relaxed state, Uh, I like to practice a couple of minutes of what we call long, slow, deep breathing. And it's pretty simple. You start by breathing into your lower diaphragm or your belly. And then as you continue to inhale, that rises up into your chest. As you exhale, your chest starts to contract, the belly starts to contract. And then we do that all over again. Now, the thing that is amazing about this technique, long, slow, deep breathing, is that it can be as effective as an antidepressant. They have found that in research. And so this really helps us to begin to move into, you know, that more relaxed state. So we'll practice about a minute or two of that, and then we'll move into a body scan. And this body scan is pretty simple. We start at the top of our head, and then we move uh, down to the bottoms of our feet. And just to give you an idea of how powerful our attention is, you can place your attention on a part of your body that you may not have any voluntary muscle control of. As an example, most of us can't control or wiggle our ears. We don't have voluntary muscle control of that. Some people can, but most of us can't. But simply placing your attention on an area like that and breathing into it and feeling a sense of relaxation can actually help us relax that part of our body. So I think it's really um, astounding to think that, you know, that's how uh, 
how powerful our attention can be, but that will also help us to continue that relaxation process. And then the way that we'll actually practice the meditation itself is we will focus on our inhale. And then as we exhale, we'll silently repeat the word one. We'll inhale, focusing on the sound or the sensation of that. And then on the exhale, silently repeat one. Now, the reason that we use the word one is because it is a very neutral word. Generally, there isn't a lot of meaning associated with that. And so with that, it's not something that's going to conjure up more thoughts because while we're not clearing our mind, because none of us can do that, right. um, that is a cliche, um, it will help us to stay focused on a particular um, point and kind of enable us to maybe keep you know, those thoughts at bay a little bit more. And so what I always like to tell my, my students is, we jokingly say, you know, someone may say to me, well, I want my, my word to be Hawaii. Well, chances are Hawaii is going to conjure up a lot of images and thoughts in your mind. Uh, before you know it, you're on the beach with an umbrella drink in your hand. And so using this word one, you know, helps us to kind of uh, eliminate a lot of those thoughts that might come into using a word. Now, on the other hand, it can be very powerful too. And there are ways that we can explore using words um, that have uh, a lot of you know, positive meaning to them, but in a different respect. So today we'll focus on the word one. So that's kind of how this will go. And uh, all told, we'll probably meditate like this for about five minutes. So this is a practice that I love because you can use it as a standalone meditation or you can use it during the course of your day if you need to take a break and you need to mm. kind of release some of the stress that's going on. And so because it's very short and the way it's structured, it really helps us to use that as a mindfulness practice too. I love it. Well, I'm going to do it as you're talking. All right. Well, so let's start by getting comfortable where we're seated. And I'll invite you to close your eyes. Now, if you aren't comfortable closing your eyes, you can shift your gaze down in front of you. But if you can, close your eyes and bring your attention to your breath. And with your eyes closed, you may become more aware of sounds in your environment. Welcome everything you hear. Welcome sounds far away and welcome sounds nearby. And also with your eyes closed, you may become more aware of sensations in your body. Welcome those two without resisting or judging them. And with our attention on our breath, we'll begin long, slow, deep breathing. Breathing into our belly and continuing to inhale. Your breath rises up into your chest. And at the top of our inhale, we begin to exhale. Chest starts to contract. Belly starts to contract 
and then we begin the process all over again. The key here is to do it slowly and yeah. deeply. We'll do this for about a minute and I'll keep track of the time. And you can allow your breath to return to its natural rhythm, its natural depth. There's no need to control it. And as we begin our practice, your mind may wander away to a thought or a story, what someone else is doing, when that happens, simply bring your attention back to the focus, back to our breath, to our body, and to repeating our word. Remember to be kind to yourself. And bring your attention to the top of your head, relaxing your scalp. Relaxing your forehead. Softening your eyes. Softening your whole beautiful face. Unclench your jaw. Relaxing your mouth and your tongue. Allow your shoulders to fall away from your ears. Arms resting comfortably in your lap or at your side. Relaxing your hands. Relaxing your chest. Relaxing your upper back. 
relaxing your lower back. Relaxing your belly. Feeling your weight sink into your cushion or your chair. Relaxing your upper legs. Relaxing your lower legs. Relaxing your feet. Feeling your whole body soft and relaxed. And now place your attention back on your breath. Notice how your breath moves in and out. Notice the sound of your breath. The sound of your inhale and the sound of your exhale. Notice the cool air as you inhale and the warm air as you exhale. Continuing to notice your breath. And if your mind wanders off to a thought, bring your attention right back here. Your breath and your body are always right here, right now. And continuing to notice your breath as you inhale and exhale, silently repeat the word one. Inhaling and exhaling to the word one. Focusing on your breath as you inhale and as you exhale, silently repeating the word one. We'll continue to meditate like this for a few more minutes. I'll keep track of the time.
and you can release repeating the word one. Take your attention off of your breath and keeping your eyes closed. Sit gently, let the silence surround you. And now as we begin to bring our practice to an end, keeping your eyes closed, you can begin to give yourself some deeper breaths. Wiggle your fingers and your toes. Coming back into your space, sensing yourself in your space. It's always important to come out of meditation slowly. So when you're ready, there's no rush. With a downward gaze, you can slowly open your eyes. Okay, so I love that. How did that feel? <laughs> I was so relaxed. I was almost drooling. <laughs> well, that's, that's good. <laughs> we'll take that any day. <laughs> but I, you know, what I loved is how you, you know, tell people it's okay for, you know, you're going to hear sounds, your, your attention is going to wander, you know, it, it's all okay. It is. It's all okay. Whatever happens in meditation is okay. You know, one of the first things that we come to realize is uh, it's not about controlling the situation. We'll never be able to probably create every time we sit down to meditate the perfect circumstances. And let's face it, life, you know, life isn't like that. So you can really train yourself with practice to be able to meditate anywhere, anytime. Uh, I, I have meditated in an airport and it doesn't get much more chaotic than in an airport, but it really enables us to be able to, you know, overcome that wanting to create a certain situation because there's a lot of, of stress and anxiety, you know, wrapped up just in that. Uh, and as I said, the benefits of meditation don't show up in the meditation itself. They show up outside as we're going through the world. Yes. I love that. And, um, I think what has, you know, when I talk about medica meditation, I've had a lot of people say, well, I mean, I just can't sit still for that long. What do you say to that? That is a really great point. Um, you know, I'm someone who tends to be a little bit fidgety uh, at times, although meditation has helped that tremendously. Um, you know, these, these body movements that we have are signs that our nervous system is trying to settle down. Now, there may be days when you sit down and your meditation has just felt like you were just getting through it. Uh, 
That's okay. That's natural too. That happens. And the, the least helpful thing that we can do is to try and fight that or try to control it. So if you're having an experience like that, you know, just know that that's your nervous system telling you that it's trying to settle down and it may not reach the point where you wanted it to or expected it to, but it's important to let go of expectations and be comfortable with the process. Whatever happens has happened and that's okay. Um, that's normal. It's perfectly normal. So the most important thing that you could do in a situation like that is to stay with it, to stick with the practice, because you're actually training your brain to develop that willpower and that resolve to do the practice. Yes, I, that is uh, exactly, you know, let go of any expectations and that will help you relax a little bit more. Yeah. And it, and it lets go of the stress, right? You know, mm -hmm. you, you can come to it knowing that you don't have to create or anticipate or expect some kind of certain experience to happen because chances are, you know, you may be surprised. <laughs> right, right, right. I love it. Is there any, anything else that you want to say about meditation that we haven't covered? Oh gosh, there's so much more we could talk about, <laughs> but I think that what I would say is uh, you know, if you, if you want to experience changes in your life, there are lots of things you can do to support that, but there is nothing like developing a meditation practice. Um, you know, it all starts in our minds. It all starts in our brains and it, and it settles in our nervous system. And so, you know, if you have been resistant to the idea of meditation, just know that it doesn't have to be some strange, you know, kind of experience that you come to. Uh, it can be very simple, very, um, very secular, very straightforward. Uh, you know, it really can be something that you can, um, you know, kind of develop into your own type of practice. Uh, give it a chance. If you've been skeptical about it, I specialize in the skeptics and um, <laughs> you won't be, you won't be sorry that you gave it a chance. It has been life-changing for me. Again, that may sound overly dramatic, but there are millions and millions of people around the world who have had it change their lives too. And anyone can learn to meditate. Yes, exactly. And so how can people work with you and, you know, tell us about any programs that you have coming up? You can go to my website, uh, thestillstatemeditation.com. You can email me at marcy, M-A-R-C-Y, at thestillstatemeditation.com. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, I am the Mindful Culture Curator. Um, I'll also give you my number. My phone number is 830-832-2447. And I would love to hear from anyone who even just wants to talk about what meditation and mindfulness uh, can do for them. Great. Oh, well, thank you so much for um, coming on the podcast. Thank you, um, Wendy. I've, I enjoyed your meditation immensely. And, uh, and I, I, I love to meditate. I've seen the benefits, um, in a stressful job. That was my go-to, uh, when I came home Wonderful. Uh, to, um, you know, as a way to, you know, transition the day. Yes, absolutely. And, and thank you for doing the work that you're doing. Um, oh, you, you know, bet. the work that you're doing is so important and so needed. Yeah. So thanks again for coming on the podcast. 
And I, I will have uh, all of uh, Marcy's information in the show notes. So thanks everybody for listening. Bye. Have a great week.